Uh, I, I have to confess something. I am a, a hidden, I love sports. Actually, my dream job growing up, people usually laugh so you can laugh, was to be a sports analyst. I actually love sports. And as privileged and thrilled as I am to be here, what sports event is going on right now? I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell. But the World Final World Cup is on today. Um, and so thanks for being here. And yet, after yesterday's Vikings game, okay, please tell me how many of you watched that. Okay, if you didn't, you need to go back and like Google some of it, okay? I am undone for sports for a week. I don't know, as a lifelong Vikings fan, I don't, my, my son looked at Josh and I and went, is this what it's like being a Vikings fan? <laughs> we were like, it kind of is, honey. Like, you're down 33 to nothing in the game, 36, and then you come up and you break, you break a record. And so I am uh, completely sports out. So thanks for being here today. And I'm not going to say anything. Um, I will uh, watch all the coverage when I get home as well. So. All right, but I am present here with you because we are in a sermon series and it's, I'm so excited to speak on Christmas this week about the power of presence. And so for the last two weeks, we have been talking through the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus and the power of his presence um, through the magi that we all learned the first week, not the three wise men, and then how uh, God's presence is with us through everything as he was with Mary and Joseph's journey, the hard times and how he can be hard with us or he's with us in hard stuff today. And this week, I get the privilege of actually exploring the actual birth of Jesus. And so we're going to jump right into the scripture. Then we're going to explore uh, what it looks like to be present in others' stories. All right, so they should be on the screen. And I'm going to read in Luke 2. Whoops, my iPad's going funky. There we go. Luke 2, uh, 6 through 16. All right. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. But they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, this angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. If you just want to bow your heads right now, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. As I just read those, those sacred words. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. 
I thank you for coming all those years and that we get to sit here and we get to experience your goodness because of it. I pray, God, right now that my words would not get in the way of what you are doing in our hearts, that you would bring us back to that moment with two young teenagers in the stable with a baby Jesus, God, and that you would be with us today just as you were with them. Lord, bless our time together. May your presence be here. And we just invite your work in our life. Amen. All right. Well, um, I uh, have two children, uh, biological children. And during the birth of my first son, uh, I, I was somebody, and I, and I say this knowing how pleased I am, that hated pregnancy. I was not a happy pregnant person. And so pretty much my whole goal was to have that baby so I would not be pregnant. So like my deadline was like birthing that child, great boy or girl, I didn't care. I just didn't want to be pregnant anymore. Um, so after a really long delivery with my first son and a little bit extra long pushing, my first glimpse actually of him and actually my first memory of actually being a parent was of my husband saying, it's a boy and dead silence in the hospital room. There were like 10 people in there because it had been such a long delivery. And I lifted up my head and I see this blonde haired little baby boy, completely gray, completely gasping for breath on the tray, on the, on the little stand there. And the first words that anybody spoke other than my husband was the pediatric nurse lifting him up, whisking him to an incubator and saying, this baby does not look good. And in that moment, as, as disgruntled as I was, I had just gone through a pretty hard, I mean, all labor is hard, let's be honest, okay? Women, I'm just, I'm not gonna compute to say mine was harder than yours, that's not what I'm saying, okay? Um, and I was, I remember trying to struggle to catch a glimpse of him and, you know, doctors were still like working on me and, and they were like, you can't, you have to focus on what we're telling you, Jesse, don't worry about him. And um, I eventually heard a weak cry, I remember, and he, he kind of picked up and he's, sorry guys, my mic's going a little funky here. Um, he, he started breathing um, and, but they said, you know, he, he still doesn't look 100%, you, so you guys, we're going we're gonna to take him away. And so my husband went with, we hadn't even named him, but Reese is his name now, some of you know him. Um, my husband went with Reese down to special care, and I found myself completely alone. You know, there were medical people there, you know, taking care of me. Um, and, and, Josh was, and Josh was texting me saying, you know, like, he's breathing, you know, he's okay, like, I'm, I'm with him, I'm holding his finger, there's things like that. But I just sat there and I remember, it, and I don't remember much, but I remember sitting there in that hospital bed thinking, God, you had told me you were gonna be with us always. We just like totally trusted you in this. I feel completely isolated and alone. Like I have no idea what is going on. And that was our present reality at that moment. See, what we didn't know was that in three days, he'd be screaming at the top of his lungs in the middle of the night at our house as we're, you know, rocking him, trying to get him to sleep, saying, oh, child, I wish you would stop crying, but we're really, really glad you're crying because that means you're breathing. We didn't know that in six weeks, he'd be rolling over and smiling, and we didn't know that nine years from now, we'd be back in kids' church singing, super energetic, happy, blonde-haired, blonde-haired boy. We only knew what was going on in that present reality. We were completely isolated, we were scared of our minds, and we were alone. And I believe that's where we find Mary and Joseph in this part of the story, with the birth of their Jesus, or the birth of Jesus before the shepherds come to them. See, I think what we can 
often overlook in the Ark of Mary and Joseph's story is that while we have the opportunity to say, oh yeah, see Mary and Joseph, all this stuff is gonna be happening. There's shepherds who are gonna be coming soon. There's magi who are following a star, right? You're gonna meet some people in a temple in a week that have been praying and fasting for the birth of Jesus. But do you know what they knew in that moment after the delivery of Jesus? Nothing. All they had known was that an angel of the Lord had told them months ago that they were going to be with them, that God was going to be with them, and that they were going to give birth to the son of Jesus. And I can imagine how tired they were. And I can imagine them looking at each other and saying, God, is this what you really meant by being with us? We're in a stable all alone. My baby is next to animals. Is this what it looks like to be with you? And I can imagine that they looked at each other and they said, why is God silent to us now when he said he was going to be present? But here's the thing that we know now that they didn't know. Was God silent? No, he wasn't silent. He was just using others to share his word and to start to encourage Mary and Joseph. So in that part of the scripture I read about the angels, right, uh, coming to the shepherds, I think in stories past, and if you've been around church for a long time, or maybe you're new to this story, I can imagine the shepherds being so awestruck when they saw that, right? And I think we oftentimes focus, and this isn't incorrect, on God telling the shepherds for their own good, right? He said, this is good news to you, and it's good news for others. But I actually think there was another reason why God showed up to those shepherds, and he told them not just to start simply telling people about Jesus, but to actually go to the stable, to go to the inn, to go and actually sit beside Mary and Joseph and to sit beside baby Jesus. See, God needed the shepherds to go and bring his presence to Mary and Joseph in one of the most isolating times they found themselves in. So I just want us to picture, okay? Even if you've never given birth, even if you're not a parent, picture being in a stable. We don't know what the weather was like, probably a little chilly, right? There's a newborn baby. They've just delivered a baby there. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? They're trying to figure out, right, probably how to burp the baby. I don't know, something like that as a new parent, right? There wasn't a manual at the time, just like there isn't now. And these random group of shepherds show up to them. Hi, who are you? Hi, we're shepherds, okay? What are you doing here without hand sanitizer and masks, right? Like, just think of that, right? These strangers showing up. How did you find us? We're tucked away in this inn. There's so many people here from out of town because they were coming to the census. And the shepherds go, well, actually, this might sound a little crazy. We were just out in the hillside, and an angel appeared. And Mary and Joseph suddenly go, oh, you don't sound crazy at all. Can you tell us more? Okay. Well, this angel said, hey, you're going to find that my son has been born as a baby, and he's lying. See, just like your baby is. And then this whole choir of angels showed up, and they told us that it's good news for all men and women. And can you imagine the relief at that moment that Mary and Joseph felt? They went, oh, thank God, because you see what I mean? You guys might think we're crazy. 
But actually, an angel came to us nine months ago and told us the same thing, that, that we were going to give birth to this son and that he was going to be the son of God. And as I was reading commentaries, they said, what we can imagine in those groups of people coming together in that moment, think about the sacredness of that moment. The king, God's son, is born, and there's these shepherds and these young teenage parents telling each other of the stories that angels had told them about the son of God being born and the presence and comfort that they brought each other. Man, I can't wait. Somebody in heaven, I'm going to ask Mary, what was that like? Like, I just want to know all the details, right? And because the shepherds came to Mary and Joseph in that moment, in that moment of fear, in that moment of isolation, okay, we're still talking about them today. See, what I actually find really interesting is the shepherds are actually one really small part, if you think about it, probably, of Joseph's, or Joseph's story, Mary and Joseph's story and Jesus' story. Yet we're still talking about them today because of the presence they brought to Mary and Joseph in that stable and then the presence they brought to others as they told everybody what they had seen. Uh, back to my own birth story. On that second night in the hospital, Reese's in special care were beyond tired at this point, and, and he, was, he was doing okay, but I remember hitting a low point that second night. Um, if you've ever been in a special care nursery, babies tend to be hooked up with a lot of IVs. Um, I know many of you had, so I, I'm not the only one who's ever experienced something like this, and we were going back and forth between my room and, and his special care nursery, and he was just having a hard time. The IV was falling out, he was crying, we couldn't comfort him. And, and I remember coming back to our hotel, hotel, hospital room, and that was not a hotel room. And uh, I just remember we were just depleted. We had no idea what to do. You know, we just were like, God, I, I am depleted. I have no idea what to do. How, do. how do we parent this kid? We feel so incredibly isolated and alone. And for some odd reason, I still don't know why I did this, I decided to open up my email. I think I maybe thought I had the, I don't know why I even did it, but we had communicated to a group of people and some friends of ours um, that we were going into the hospital to have the baby. Um, but since I had started delivery, we hadn't commuted anything other than to our parents, partially because we were exhausted and partially because I think we were in so much disbelief and pain that the thought of even telling anybody else just felt like we were inviting other people into a thing that we were experiencing that we weren't even ready to talk about yet, that we weren't even ready to share, that we weren't even ready to be like, I'm not okay with this, so I don't even want to talk about it with somebody because it's too painful. Does that make sense? You guys ever found yourself in that situation? So I open up this email, and up pops this email from a friend of ours. Hadn't seen her for a while, and there's three simple lines that have soon become one of the most important prayers of my own story with Jesus. And this is what they were. And I read them out loud to Josh. And she said, didn't ask us how we were. She said, I'm just praying this over you guys. And she said, God, when things go differently, bring them peace. God, give the doctors and nurses wisdom with whatever comes. And Lord, when Josh and Jesse feel alone, give them comfort. And I can't tell you, as I read those words out loud, I felt God's presence in a way so strongly that I had never felt before. And I felt his presence in an entirely, really for the first time, I think that whole birthing experience as the words from somebody over an email came and just crashed into our hearts and our minds. And for the first time, and you know that in your head, right? That you're not alone. I mean, we were surrounded by people, right? 
But for that first time of that whole experience, I felt God in a real and close way. And I just kept repeating those words. God, I'm not alone. God, bring me comfort. See, for better or worse, you and I are part of multitudes of people's stories. We have people in our stories in life, and we're a part of other people's stories. And in ways we are aware, right, that we're in people's stories, and sometimes we get surprises like the shepherds. Um, And so what does that actually look like to show up well in other people's stories? What does it look like, right, to be present in others' stories just like that prayer came through in mine? Um, Has anybody seen any angels this week? Just checking. No, right? We talk a lot about angels, right? In God's story, they show up. But I think there's a greater invitation today that we can take from this as we look through this Christmas story is just simply being what the shepherds did with Mary and Joseph, where it's saying, how do I show up in other people's stories bringing the presence of God? Or how can I be present in people's stories where they are at? See, the shepherds met Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus where they were at in a stable. The, the mom in me, the female in me who's given birth, kind of went to God this week as I was really going through this text and saying, God, couldn't you give him then, like, you know, maybe a few more days so they could kind of gotten out of the stable? Do you know what I mean? Like, cleaned up. Mary and Joseph might have been a little bit more awake to do that. And he's like, well, you can't rewrite history, Jesse, and you're not God. So he didn't even, you know, that, that was done. But they were present to the realities of being in a stable with a baby after a delivery. And in fact, Jesus would grow up to do this time and time and time again. If you've known Jesus for a long time or a short time, and you've heard some of the ways that he would show up to people, Jesus didn't wait till people were perfect. He didn't wait till they were out of their messy situations. He showed up to them completely where they were at, present in their story, right? Sometimes this really bothered his disciples and the religious leaders because he was showing up to people who maybe they didn't agree with. But he showed up and he was present to them where they were at. See, one of my favorite things, if I ever get a chance to sit down and talk with you, or or one of my favorite things to do, just especially when I travel and I get to meet random people, is, hey, can you tell me your story? Because I think there's so much power in finding people's stories. There's so much life and energy I get from them. And I love reading memoirs because I can choose which stories to immerse myself in. Yet when I don't get to choose, when I get surprised by the people's stories that I encounter on my way, well, that gets a little tricky, right? That gets it's a little tricky. Um, for those of you who know this, um, I am an Enneagram 6. How many of you, I'm just curious, have ever heard of the Enneagram? Okay, so quite a few of you, okay? So for those of you who don't, um, you're all starting to like, oh, that makes so much more sense about her now. Yeah, I'm classic 6, okay? Um, but an Enneagram's an ancient personality uh, profile, and, and there's lots of different variations. We're still trying to figure out what Gary is. Sorry, he's going to kill me for that. <laughs> Not kill me, judge me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let me clarify. And uh, anyways, I'm a six, which means when I get nervous, when I get scared, my default zone is to be safe. So going, and my husband can attest to this, before we go on any kind of car trip, I'm like, have we checked the tires? Have we checked the oil? Have we checked the gas? I mean, like every single thing that could go wrong with the car, like I'm like examining and basically telling him to do it, which you can imagine leads to a really fun conversation for for each of us, okay? And so I like to be safe. And so when I get into this default position, I just want to be safe from people's pains. 
I just want to be safe from people's stories. And so sometimes I will choose to disengage. For others of you, what this might look like is just saying, hey, I don't even want to ask the question or, you know what? There's pain. I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix it and I can do everything that I can, right? When we encounter surprises in people's stories, right? When we encounter things that come up, just as the shepherds did with the angels that day, our question is, are we going to be present? Are we going to disengage? About a year ago, I was at a birthday party with one of my kiddos, and I was talking to a kid who I've known for quite a few, uh, quite a few years. And he was showing me um, something on his watch. Uh, kids have these little watches that you can program like two or three phone numbers into, and so he's swiping through it and, and telling me the different people he can call. And I had known the kid for a while. I knew I know his parents. And uh, I just said, oh, and, and what about your dad? Your dad's not in there. And to this day, and I'm sorry if I cry, I'll never forget the look that that little guy gave me. And he just stopped and he said, Jesse, I don't have my dad's phone number. And he went, oh, okay. You know, he goes, because where my dad just went, he doesn't have a phone. And he goes, Jesse, my dad's in jail. And in that moment, what I would love to tell you if I'm being really vulnerable, is that an immense amount of peace and love and compassion came over me. But in that moment, my shock and amazement at what I was hearing at a kid's birthday party went out. And I just remember as this little kid who I've known for quite a few years just stared at me. And I just, all I could think of is finally after a few seconds is, Jesse, get your mouth up, right? Because this kid has probably had to live this, re he has had to live this reality. And I said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. That must be really hard. And he goes, yeah, it really is. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, it's okay, you can go play. You know what I mean? He's kind of, you know, as kids like that. And I would love to tell you that after a few hours of processing, I was totally fine, but I wasn't. I was angry. I was anxious. I was really, really angry just at the whole situation. My heart broke for him and I was angry at God. It's like, God, why? I don't get this. Like, why is this kid experiencing pain? Why, why is this happening in a world that you so said you'd be with us? Like, this isn't fair. Like, this is a kid in my life, and I don't understand what is going on. And I, and I just couldn't shake it. And there was something that I felt like I was missing as I'm trying to, like, wrap it around in my head, and I'm, I'm thinking through different things, and I'm, I'm going through this. And I remember laying awake at night, and I just said, God, I think I'm kind of messing this up. And he said, oh, Jesse. And when God says, oh, Jesse, I know I need to listen. That's kind of his thing with me. And he goes, oh, Jesse. In a firm but loving voice, he said, yeah, you are kind of missing the point. And he said, I'm not asking for your commentary on the situation. I'm not even asking you to reconcile it or to justify it or to even try to understand it. I'm asking you to love the child in front of you and to be 100% present with him when you have the chance. I said, you're right, God, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, that's okay. I love you anyways. But he's like, just love and be present, Jesse. That's actually the best thing you can do at this moment. I remember working on a text to the, to the mom two days later trying to, you know, figure out how to text, hey, I had this conversation. 
I'm really sorry, you know, and, and, and being present. And what this has looked like in my and my family's life as we've gone through this. And we're not saying, we're not, you know, super close at saying, hey, you know, when I run into them at the pickup line, it's not disengaging from the really, really hard parts of their story. It's saying, hey, how are you guys? It's Christmas. I bet it's really hard right now. Hey, how is your spouse doing in jail? See, because when we're actually present to people's stories, when we're actually like the shepherds coming to Mary and Joseph in their most incredibly vulnerable times, we're present to the good, to the bad, to the painful, and to the really, really, really hard. See, isolation sometimes can be appealing. Sometimes it'd be way easier to not know about people's stuff, right? To not go to those places. To say, you know what? I'm good where I'm at. I'm not going to engage. But I think we miss out on so much goodness and so much growth, and we actually miss out on what Jesus invites us to do. We miss out on what his very reason in coming to this broken world was. I remember coming back. This is the last time I'll kind of reflect on my own birth story. But I remember coming back to that hospital room in that moment after I had read this prayer out loud and just sitting with God in that moment. And I remember looking at my husband and said, we need to let people know how bad we're doing. We actually need to let people know how much we're struggling. So we started texting people. We kind of started calling. We started advocating for ourselves, you know, being, okay, God, help us parent this kid who we originally had no idea what to do, but now especially when he's hooked up to IVs. And I remember still being a little scared, still, of course, being exhausted, right? I had just given, I had just given birth. But we were reminded we were not alone as people's texts and their prayers started coming through. And within 24 hours of receiving that email, we packed up Reese and we brought him home with the nurses saying, he's totally fine, forget what happened, which we didn't, but you know, the general. <laughs> but that simple prayer that came through that email, and I thanked that person later when I saw her a few weeks later and said, that prayer is now one of the most important parts of my own story and Reese's story. Because the presence of that prayer reminded me that we weren't alone. It ushered in God's presence. And like Mary in verse 19, as we wrap up, see, one of my favorite verses in this whole story, that when we look at this Christmas story through the eyes of Mary, is that in verse 19 it says, and Mary was silent, and she kept things in her heart. Other translations say she pondered or meditated. And I think about Mary in that moment of giving birth to her firstborn son, a son that, well, I think she maybe, I didn't, we don't know what she knew, but she had an inkling that this son was somebody she was going to raise and love. But entirely, it wasn't her own. She was, he was God's son. And I think about her sitting in that stable, holding her newborn son and pondering on the events that had happened, pondering about the angel's visit, pondering on this ragtag group of shepherds coming and keeping these in her heart for the journey that she was going to have to be on for the next 20, 30 years of watching her son grow up, save the world, and die on the cross. And I think Christmas invites us to ponder, right? And that's the question that we're going to end with today in pondering. But where is Jesus in our story? Where is Jesus inviting us to be present in other stories, right? God sent his son to a broken world. And we are a part of that broken world. And we can be present with that world today because he gives us his presence. 
because we can experience God today. And so we're actually going to do something a little different as I end, okay? Some of you are going to love this. Some of you think it's going to really weird. So for those of you who think it's really weird and we do this every week, we don't, okay? Can I just clarify that, all right? We're actually going to take a minute in this busy season to be quiet. And if a baby screams, that's okay, all right? We just literally talked about Jesus. Zion, you can keep, yep, keep doing that thing, buddy, okay? All right? But we're just going to take a minute and be silent. And I'm going to invite God's presence in wherever you're at. And we're just going to invite God's presence to be in us. Because as much as we are called to be present in other people's stories, one of the most important stories that we also have to be mindful of is how God is present with us in every single situation and every single day. So I'm going to watch the clock. You can close your eyes if you, don't want, if you want to. But if not, bow your heads and just be present to God's goodness right now. Now I just want you to stay in that posture. Keep your eyes closed. If, if God's bringing up something with you and you're just really aware, maybe you feel a body is shaking, maybe you feel a stillness. If you don't feel anything, you're not doing anything wrong. That's okay. But I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit right now to bring a person to your mind. Is there a person this Christmas that Jesus is inviting you to be present in their story? Maybe it's somebody you've already been present with. Maybe it's somebody that you've been disengaged with. Is there a person that God is bringing to your mind for you to be present in their story? So we're just going to take another 30 seconds. Be quiet as God brings his awareness to us. You can slowly come out of that. If God's doing something with you, you can just sit there. Uh, and worship team, you can come on up as, a, as I close and we begin to go into God's presence with, with worship. But I just want to leave you with this. When God, Jesus came, I say this every sermon and I probably will say it every sermon from now on. Because Jesus came, everything changed for you and me. Everything changed for you and me. The news that the shepherds heard about goodwill to all men and women everywhere is still true for us today. And so my prayer for you, my invitation, I think, for you this Christmas is one, to experience the presence of God. Gary's been talking about it so much in just beautiful ways, but two, how to be present in other people's stories and offer that same hope and love and encouragement that came with Jesus. All right, so if I can have the ushers come up, people want to stand. And before you stand, I forgot one thing that I always forget. On that Connect card that Gary talked about at the beginning, 
if there was a person who came to your mind, um, we would love to partner with you and pray with them. Don't write their first name or their last name, just write their initials, if that makes sense. The prayer team and our, our pastoral staff will pray over them and as you engage with them this week. Um, and while we won't know who they are, God will know who they are. Okay, so just write that name on the Connect card. Ushers, you can come on up. Um, and if everybody could just stand, I'll pray over us as we begin our worship. All right. Well, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for coming, and I thank you, God, for the presence of others in our life. Lord, as we, as we enter into a time of worship, I pray that you would be very present, and the work that you started in us would continue. We thank you, Lord, for who you are.